0: Welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David concludes our 40 Days of Abundant Life with a look at what Jesus had to say about the eternal life. Let's listen. Many years ago, I led an international mission trip, and we were coming back and our plane got delayed, and it got delayed where else but Miami, where all planes go to get delayed. And it got delayed so much that they said, okay, you're going to have to spend an extra night here. Now, think how brutal that sounds when you've been sleeping on the floor in a foreign country for a week straight. And you've been thinking all this time, oh, this night, this night is the night that I'm going to get to sleep in my own bed. Not to mention that I've got 30 high schoolers that are coming with me. And I was ready to just give them back to their parents and say, here you go. But we said, nope, okay, we've got one more night. Well, we get shuttled to the the nearest hotel that can take us. And I I get them all into kind of their own rooms with different leaders in their rooms. And they gave us the first flight out, which was at 5.30 the next morning, of course. So I don't think I got really any sleep that night, but I remember getting up, going to the hotel lobby, and it was probably about 3.30 in the morning and started having people come and and check in. And I'd say, okay, yep, I've I've got you, I've got your group, go to the shuttle, they'll take you back to the airport with the leaders waiting there. I do this for about 30 minutes, I go through my whole list and I realize we're missing three students. Three students and one college-age intern who are all in the same room together. I thought this is easy enough. Let me just go ahead and, and call the intern. And I did, and of course, they don't answer. And so I go to the front desk, and I say, yes, these are the names we're missing. What room are they in? And they, they, they kind of do some work, and, and they come back to me very sheepishly, and they said, okay, with, with all of the craziness of getting you checked in last night, we don't know what room they're in. <laughs> they said, we can narrow it down to two and they're right next to each other. And so I said, okay, I guess I will go up and, and bang on the door and see which one they're in. I can remember going up about 4 a.m. at this point, and I say, I have a 50-50 shot, so I'm just gonna pick a door. And I thought to myself, my life is gonna be really interesting in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> because I'm gonna pound on a door, and it's either gonna be our youth and we're gonna celebrate and say, yay, get to the airport. We still need to make our flight and we'll laugh about how they can't set an alarm on their phone and and overslept. It could be that, or I could bang on a door and it's gonna be a complete stranger who's going to be very upset with me for waking them up at four in the morning. Now, I'm thankful to say it was our group. I think God was smiling on us at that point. (laughs) And we got to the airport and made the flight back, no problem. But but it got me thinking, isn't it true that there are situations in life where the decision you make is going to profoundly affect what comes after? Now, for me, that would have just affected me for maybe five minutes of being verbally berated for waking somebody up. But some decisions, well, those effects last a lot longer, don't they? which door you knock on, uh, which path you choose to follow, which choice you make. Well, in our scriptures today that we're going to study together about abundant life, Jesus is going to talk about a choice that will have an impact on you forever. I mean, that's not even just the next year or 10 years, forever forever. It is an eternal decision. That's a big deal that we're going to talk about. In fact, I want to just give you a sneak preview. I want to skip ahead to the end and and let you see Jesus' words for yourself. And then we'll go backwards and get the context of what he's saying. But in John chapter 8, Jesus says, Whoever keeps my word will never see death. It's a big statement, isn't it? So the decision we're talking about is keeping God's word, whatever that means, and we'll explore that in a little bit. And then the effect of that decision is we'll never see death. Yeah, we've got some exploring to do today, don't we? This is the sort of statement that affects all of us. I mean, we all probably lean in and want to know, okay, Jesus, tell us more about what you mean. So let's read the whole story together see how we got to this point. Now, in our text today, Jesus is in a fierce debate with the Pharisees, and the debate is centered around the identity of Jesus. The whole debate is about who Jesus claims to be. Jesus claims to be from God, but the Pharisees don't believe him. And at this point, they are mad at Jesus and begin hurling insults at him. So get ready for some good old-fashioned first-century smack talk, because that's what you're about to see. This is halfway through the argument, and things have gotten pretty heated at this point. Here are the Pharisees hurling their next insult at Jesus. They said, are we not right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? Okay. So you remember, Samaritans were despised. That's why the good Samaritan story is so incredible. Because a Samaritan, of all people, stops to help someone. And demon-possessed, I don't think I need to explain that one. That's just an insult. They're saying to Jesus, these are some of the worst things we can think of that we're going to hurl on to you. Can we just pause, though, and appreciate how they ask it as a question, trying to make it somewhat innocent? Like, oh yeah, we just heard you were demon-possessed. Is that not true? Are, are you not demon-possessed? All right, call off the exorcism. Not demon-possessed, okay. They are really getting into Jesus here. And the whole conversation is getting quite chippy. The Pharisees are upset and accuse Jesus, not only not being from God like he claims, but actually being from the opposite. So if you're in Jesus' shoes, How would you respond? I mean, think of the last time you were in an argument. It doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't feel good to be in an argument. Uh, Maybe you start kind of getting short of breath, or your heart starts beating faster, you get kind of stressed. So I'm curious, how would you respond if you were Jesus? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you, whoever keeps my word will never see death. So here we go again. There's the massive statement that we want to explore together. Whoever keeps my word will never see death. Well, what's the context? Now you know a little bit about the story. Well, the statement, comes in the middle of this debate between Jesus and the Pharisees about who Jesus really is. Is he from God, like he claims to be? Uh, Jesus says, not only am I not demon-possessed, but I was sent by God, and I'm so close to God that the words that come out of my mouth are God's words. And these words will lead to eternal life. They will lead not to death. Now, I'm sure that we all know faithful Christians who have done their best to live according to Jesus' words, but they still die, haven't they? And so what is it that Jesus means when he says, whoever keeps my word will never die? Well, we're going to get a, a big clue if we look three chapters earlier, Uh, When Jesus, again, is having a discussion, and he he pulls back some layers on what he means. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message. So that's the same thing as keeping my word, right? Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Well, Jesus is expanding now what he meant when he said, whoever keeps my word will never see death. Because never seeing death is another way of saying having eternal life. One is said in the negative and one is said in the positive. So this whole series that we've been doing throughout the, the series of Lent has been about abundant life that Jesus promises. And here, we see that abundant life is very similar to eternal life. So if that is true, let's think about what really is eternal life. What do we mean when we say that Jesus brings us eternal life? Well, that word eternal means without beginning or end. It is never ceasing, never ending. It is that which always was and always will be. It is eternal. And we often think of eternal as future focus, don't we? Like, okay, after I die, then I will live with God for eternity, eternal life. But really, that's not what this word means. Because eternity stretches into the future, but it also stretches to encompass our past. Yes, eternity, eternal life is everything. Here's what I mean. Where were you before you were born? Okay, you obviously don't know, right? We don't know where we were before we were born, but God knows. And God tells Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yes, God knew you before you were ever placed on this earth. Before you were physically born, you were still known by God. You were held in God's love just waiting to be uniquely created. And after your physical body dies, you're going to be in the same place, held by God, uniquely loved by God, known by your Creator. Eternal life stretches forever, to our past, to our future. Which means, if this is true, That eternal life is also here in the present, right now. Meaning that those who understand Jesus' words, those who accept his message and say, yes, I believe this is true, that means that you are living in eternal life right now. That your understanding of God, your understanding of yourself as a created being, that doesn't change with death. Death becomes a transition, not an end to existence. Jesus himself says this in the next verse. When he says they, meaning those who believe God's message, they will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death into life. Yes, the eternal life means that we have already passed from death to life. That's not something that happens in the future, whenever your last day comes, and nobody knows when that's going to be. But for those who say, yes, I'm keeping God's words, that I want to to follow this and understand this, we've already passed from death to life. Because when our physical bodies die, that is not going to be the death of us, who we truly are in God so it makes me wonder, why is our culture so afraid of death? Why is that something that we try to avoid at all costs? Because at least for the Christian, there's the understanding that you have already passed from death to life, right at this moment, that your life has begun with God, your life will end with God, and that means all of your years in the present, on earth, should be about god really when i think about the christian journey and when i think about living out the eternal life today what i think about is the word deepening i think it's about deepening your understanding of god's love in your life it's about deepening your experience of god's grace right now in this moment i mean what would it be like If every day you could take a step and deepen your understanding of God's love for you? What if every day you deepened a little bit your experience of God's grace in your life? That would be living out this abundant and eternal life right now. Let me give you an example. When I got married to Sarah, we were fresh out of college. And at that moment, we've been dating for about three and a half years, and I knew that she loved me. But in the about 15 years since that point, every day, I have been able to understand on a deeper level what that love really looks like. The first time that I really got sick, and she was there to take care of me. Or the first time that a family member passed away, and and we could mourn with each other. Or the whole experience of just raising kids together. Yes, I have understood her love on a much deeper level. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. That if we are truly living the eternal life now, then what that practically means for us is a deepening awareness every day of our lives of the goodness of God in us and through us. Let's jump back to our story. Now that we know a little bit more about what Jesus meant when he said, those who keep my word will not see death, let's go back to this debate he was having because I think that's a very unusual way to view death. And it was one that the Pharisees really had no conception of. And so we're told that this was their response. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died. And so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever keeps my word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? The prophets also died. Who do you claim to be? That is the question that must be answered, isn't it? Who is Jesus? Who does he claim to be? Because if we are to trust that what Jesus says here is true about the eternal life, about death and existence itself, we need to know that we can trust the messenger. We need to know we can trust Jesus when he says these words. And this crowd is so confused because they've seen the heroes in their faith die. Uh, They think of Abraham, who really they think was the foundation of their faith, and they say he died generations ago. And not not only Abraham, but all the prophets, those who have guided the people of God over time, they have also died. And so how can Jesus stand there and say those who are keeping God's words will never taste death? Because what about all the people who came before, who we are seeking uh, to be faithful with? Well, Jesus has quite the response. And I want to share with you just the last verse, the last sentence that he says, that I think it's helpful. He says, your ancestor Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, meaning Jesus' day, and he saw it and was glad. So what Jesus is saying is that Abraham yearned for the time when Jesus would finally come, that Abraham had all of these promises that were made to him in Genesis chapter 12, about what kind of world that God was creating and how God was going to use Abraham and his descendants to fulfill that world. And Jesus says, Abraham, he looks down on my day from his heavenly vantage point and he is glad. He is smiling when he sees that all that God once promised is now being fulfilled. Now. I think we understand what jesus is trying to say here but the crowd again simply does not they're thinking of everything in a very linear way and so their response is the jews said to him you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen abraham okay so this whole conversation is reaching its boiling point now Uh, tensions are at their highest When they're trying to figure out, Jesus, who do you claim to be? And how is it that you claim to know Abraham? And Jesus responds with a direct, unambiguous response. They say, how is it possible that you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am now, that's what we call just a mic drop moment, where he could just drop that mic and just walk away. It's an absolutely breathtaking statement for Jesus to make. And, and why? Think back to the second book in the Bible, the, the book of Exodus. And, and in that book, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And, and Moses kicks off his sandals and approaches God on holy ground and Moses asks a very interesting question of God. Do you remember that question? He asked God, What is your name? And God responds, I am. Meaning, I am existence itself. I am, I encompass all life and all time and everything. I simply am. And so here in this moment, where the Pharisees are looking at Jesus, saying, How is it possible? that you can say you've seen Abraham and that Abraham sees you. In that moment, Jesus reveals himself to be God. Jesus says, you know my name? I am. And it hearkens all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. The reason we, reading this today, can trust Jesus and trust in his words that all who place their faith in him have already passed from death to life, that we're already living this eternal, abundant life, it's because God, the creator of existence itself, is the one who's delivering this message. So what do you think the response was? I mean, they've been arguing with Jesus all day, but Jesus finally reveals himself to be God. And and so I would anticipate that they would just hurl themselves on their knees in worship to God, right at that moment right wouldn't you unfortunately they do the opposite it says so they picked up stones to throw at him but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple they found it too hard to believe this life-changing message and often how much do we today still find it hard to believe this life-changing message but what i want us to take away not only from today but but this whole series on abundant life is here. We see that the abundant life is actually the life that stretches into eternity. And that's a life that doesn't begin later on, once you die, once you're with God in the future. That's the sort of life that begins today, in this moment, right now. Because the life you're living today is the eternal life. It's a life that will never end, which means that every day you can work on developing your own understanding and experience of God as your creator. That is eternal and abundant life. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.